Hour two, Blaine and Mickey Christmas Eve edition starts now. Lucas Panzeca, Alex Apple with you for the next hour. Mac Mori making it all happen behind the scenes. Appreciate you staying with us on this victory Christmas Eve after the Titans win over the San Francisco 49ers. Alex, we brought it up in hour one. A.J. Brown uh, with a seismic single game performance. And it's so f- funny to dive into the specific stats because there's so many different loop, you know, rabbit holes to dive through. It's not just 11 catches, 145 yards, and a touchdown. It's eight receptions on third down, the most since 1978. And for all we know, the most in NFL history, it's only because that's when they started registering that statistic in 1978. So it could have been before that uh, that a player did that, if ever. So you had one. What was the one that you told me off the air just now that was just ridiculous? 2003, Derek Mason with three touchdowns. Um, against the Houston Texans. Now, they were bad. They were a new team in the league, 177 yards. It was also Tyrone Calico, some Titans fans, 87, will remember that, um, being that, that he was an MTSU guy, uh, his best game of his career before he got hurt. And then the, the one that we brought up uh, last segment, the caller Eric brought up, uh, Kenny Britt with the 200-yard performance. Maybe there was a Drew Bennett game in there. I mean, I'm racking my brain to find one more impactful. But we should also give credit to Tannehill, the skinny post for the touchdown, and then when they jumped off sides and he threw it deep to A.J. Uh, AJ made the great catch, coming back to the ball, two of Tannehill's best throws of the year. Uh, one in a very tight window, uh, the other one across his body making something happen. you got to give both of them a ton of credit. It's amazing to watch his confidence in that game, how it was elevated just having happened quickly. Yeah, just despite all the deficiencies on the left side of the O line, which as we've said, held up better than we thought. Nick Bosa couldn't register a sack, had to switch sides to go up against Quesenberry instead of Dylan Radens. Uh but just to have a close to full receiving core around him with Julio Jones and AJ Brown. I mean, even that run at the at the end of the game, the thirty yard run, those last few yards critical when you think about the way uh, Randy Bullock kind of squeaked in that 44-yard field goal. It was just a more confident Tannehill. And I went back and looked. They only gained four more yards after that run. Oh, that it was run cr- was every huge. Y- yeah. That is basically what won them the game. And I've and I said this after the game. T- Tannehill, and obviously, you know, it's not Tannehill's idea. Randy Bullock likes it where he likes it. But moving the ball from the left hash to the right hash, Made all the it literally won them the game. Because yeah. that thing barely hooked in to the upright. So that won them the game. But no, it... I mean, Tannehill was just, he was decisive. And you, you didn't really see him run the football much against Pittsburgh. Uh, I don't want to say he was seeing ghosts in those games, but he just had no help. And it's amazing. Nobody could separate. Right. And it's amazing the difference that you see in a Ryan Tannehill last night than you saw uh, against Pittsburgh or against New England when they were as depleted as they were in those games. Uh, I mean, it just... That that's the conversation that we've had about Ryan Tannehill, right? Like, what do you want him to do? Like this, what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, it is the Ryan Tannehill of the Miami Dolphins because that's the situation he found himself in more often than not with the Miami Dolphins. Offensive line patchwork, no help outside a wide receiver, throwing almost as many interceptions as touchdowns over the last month or so. Dolphins fans were probably experiencing deja vu because that's the Tannehill that they saw, and this is what Tannehill can do with the weapons he has around him. I'm interested to see what Tom Brady can do on Sunday after getting shut out for only the third time in his career without his top targets. Chris Godwin's done for the year. Mike Evans is out again this coming weekend. So it's just, uh, it'll be interesting. Titans have a long week, obviously, to prepare uh, for the final home game of the regular season against the Miami Dolphins. Let's bring in Jerry from White Bluff. Wants to talk about Julio Jones. Merry Christmas, Jerry. Hey, Merry Christmas to y'all. How y'all doing today? 
Great. Great. Hey, I'm just hanging out here in this big town right here, and all the traffic's about to kill me. Uh, you know, I think I've counted four cars right now coming by. But uh, now what, what I want to talk about, uh, you know, A.J. last week had the hamstring uh, injury or a week before, and, and he was kind of doubtful to even play. And I noticed when he played uh, last night that he didn't get many throws to him, and I think there's a reason why. And I may be answering my own question right here, you know, I have a few guys. I know A.J. Uh, played, and he has a con- continuity going with him and Tannehill that he probably don't have with Julio. But Julio is a professional, and I'm sure he has some kind of uh, continuity built up with Julio, but he only had one catch that I remember. But I'm thinking, you know, now Mike Vrabel, I am thinking, said, Julio, we know your hamstrings probably pull. Go out here on the field run around, hit a few people, have some fun, do your thing, and you're a heck of a distraction to the other team if you get out there and do that. But we're going to AJ. Just remember that. We're going to AJ. And I'm sure Julio, being professional, he is going, yeah, that's good. I'll help my hamstring heal, too. So I'm just kind of curious, maybe if Rabel's stuck him out there as a decoy, knowing that he wasn't going to get that many catches because – he had the hamstring issue. Now he, that's why he didn't open it up wide open. You see him go down the field. Now I think he, we may see a different Julio once that hamstring gets well, and and they judge on this game how Julio played and what he did. They better look out because if this guy gets well, he's a Hall of Famer. He ain't got the records and the stuff uh, for no reason. He is a Hall of Famer. And he's liable to burn a lot of people, you know, if they look at this game and say, well, Julio didn't do much, yeah. So my question was, you know, do you think that Julio was maybe put on the field not to really be an impact, but more like a distraction? I'll hang up and listen to your call. Thank you, Jerry. No, is the short answer. I don't think that they necessarily decipher it like that. Jerry was putting out the scenario that like they would tell Julio, you're going to be a decoy, but we're going to AJ. I mean, they're calling plays. The reads of the plays, Tannehill's going to take what's open. Now, you can certainly scheme something. You know, this is a, a route that AJ runs really well, and we're going to put him out there and move him into the slot to try to get a different guy on him and, and try to get him the ball that way. But they're not b- before the game saying this is going to be an AJ Brown game. I mean, they'll throw it 10 times to Nick Westbrook or Keena if he's open. Now, AJ Brown gets open a lot more than those other guys. I think with Julio, you're looking at a situation like this. I know you're looking at a situation like this. He's going to have to play with maybe a little bit of a tight hammy, tweaking his hammy, whatever, the rest of the season, or just don't play. It's not going to get fully healthy this year. And the only reason I'm saying it with that sort of absolutism is that's what we've seen so far. He was on the IR for three three months, and then it takes him five minutes to re-pull that thing and injure it. So I, you know, I think we're just – whatever you get from him is gravy. You just hope that he can play out there. But I think that they might be resigned to saying you can either play through this or we'll just call it because this is how you're going to feel the rest of the season. It's going to be touch and go yeah, rest of the way. Uh, he, he, I'd be surprised if they just shut him down for the rest of the season and playoffs, and I'll be surprised if he is able to consistently string together four quarters every week down the stretch. Yeah. I mean, look, this is an injury that the Falcons shut him down for last season, right? This is carried over from 2020. This is not a new thing for Julio Jones. It's just going to be touch and go, and he's going to help them where he can. 
One catch on one target last night for seven yards. And he'll play 40% of the snaps. He's just not going to run out there for every play. You you put Nick Westbrook-Gene out there to block. Yeah, and Ryan Tannehill said after the game uh, on the, what, third and 23, the free play, where they got him to jump off, chucked it up, 50-50 ball, A.J. Brown with a 40-plus yard reception. Huge moment in the game. Ryan Tannehill said after the game, my first read was to the left with Julio, was facing much deeper coverage. Turn around, A.J. Brown's got a better shot at a 50-50 ball, so he threw it up. His first read was to Julio Jones on that play. So, no, they're not they're not looking away from Julio and just have him on the field as a decoy, as a red herring, so to speak. But uh, it's just going to be it's going to be quarter by quarter, drive by drive for the rest of the way. Right. Get one more call in before we go to break. Yeah, let's talk to Sammy in Springfield before we hit a break and bring in Blaine Bishop. Merry Christmas, Sammy. Merry Christmas to y'all. How y'all doing? Great. Doing great. That is great. I did want to talk about some Titans history. Uh, I was yeah. thinking, you know, that, that question, as far as wide receiver performances, I was going to bring up the Kenny Britt one, but another one that I wanted to bring up was actually Drew, uh, Drew Bennett. And no one remembers this because the Titans didn't even win the game. Uh, it was back in 04 against uh, Kansas City. He had 12 receptions. I believe it was 233 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, but no one remembers because, of course, you know, Titans didn't win the game. Now, as far as some other historical ones, I was thinking outside of the, the wide receiver position. I, I wanted to give a shout-out to the defense and Keith Bullitt calling his number before the Saints game on Monday night and getting three interceptions. Um, certainly wanted to shout him out. Also, uh, Vince Young's drive against the Cardinals. Uh, that, fourth, uh, that fourth quarter, uh, I believe it was uh, – Oh, oh nine, I believe. Um, it, it was it was incredible watching that. That was as dominant as I've seen um, a quarterback player at least be determined, I should say. And then, of course, the the King, that the King Henry game against Jacksonville. I don't think I've seen a single Titans player be that dominant. So that was just a little bit of history that I wanted to share. And uh, yeah, Merry Christmas, y'all. Go Titans! That was awesome being there last. Hey, Merry Christmas to you too, Sammy. Glad you were glad you were out there. That is a good bit of history. So the 2004 season, Titans fans will remember that is after Floyd Reese. The salary cap was different then had to tear down the roster. McNair was gone. Billy Volek was your quarterback. Safari yep. Roll had left, and that was when they were losing games. And I looked it up. Your stats were exactly right. Uh, Twelve catches for 233 yards and three touchdowns. What is even more amazing is he had three touchdowns. Uh, Drew Bennett, that is, the week prior as well, and the Titans got blown out of that one, too. That was when they were playing with Billy Volick, and they'd lose every game 38-51. to 51. Yeah, this game, The defense this, was terrible. This game he's talking about against, it was the 4-9 and nine Titans against the 5-8 and eight Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs won 49-38 in 2004. Billy Volick in this game, 29-43 for 426 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. And the Titans had Gary Anderson. Gary Anderson with his one-bar uh, face mask. That's right. Was, his one-bar face book, so I was about to say. One-bar face mask was pumping in those extra points. And that that 99-yard drive he's talking about against the Cardinals with Vince Young, also Iconic. a Kenny Britt yeah. game-winning touchdown uh, on the last play of the game on fourth down. I see Andy, I see Drew, I see David. We're going to get to you guys. Just hang with us. When we come back, though, we're going to bring in our guy, Blaine Bishop. He's hanging out with his family, enjoying Christmas Eve. In Indiana, we'll talk Titans. I do want to pose this question to him, Blaine, uh, who knows a little more about Titans history than we do uh, and what his thoughts are. How A.J. Brown's performance last night stacks up against the best single-game performances by a wide receiver in Titans history. It's Blaine and Mickey on 104.5 The Zone.
going heavy on the Christmas tunes down the stretch here. Mac Mori, our producer today on Blaine and Mickey. I mean, Max are you killing a, it? You a Christmas music guy? Yeah, like, oh, you yeah. really I'm, get I'm, into it. I'm a lock it on like 92.9 or really? one of those stations that plays Christmas music all the time. Yeah, probably. You know, I, I go through a little phase. Like right after Thanksgiving, let's go Christmas time. Then it peters off maybe in mid December. But like this week, I'm I'm in full in. I'm least, loving this. At least you wait for Thanksgiving. Can't deal no, with Christmas tree, music on we November tree 10th. We get the tree and the lights up though, like right after Thanksgiving. Fair enough. Enjoy that. For yeah, hey, that, yeah. That, as long as it's after Thanksgiving. The that, Apple that's homemade what I've light maintained. display at my house is growing by the year. Let me tell you, it's awesome. It's one of my favorite things. Blaine anyway. Bishop joins us now on the Mark Spin Real Estate Hotline. Blaine, when did you guys put up your Christmas tree? Oh, uh, we put it up uh, the weekend after uh, Thanksgiving. Okay, that's what we always. All do. right, yeah. so we're all rational like people here. <laughs> well, I don't know about, I don't know about that. that, but at least on, on that issue, I, I would say so, right? <laughs> Blaine, how late were you guys on Titans Talkback last night? How was the fan base feeling after that win? Oh, man, the fan base was pumped up, uh, guys. Uh, and uh, I think we were on until, like, one-something. It, it was wow. pretty late, man. It, the call, I mean, we still had callers on there, but it was, it was time to go. The, the mixer said it was time to go, so we let it go. But uh, they were excited. Uh, naturally, it was a great performance, uh, especially in the second half by the offense. So, uh, man, it, it was a great game, great atmosphere at the game. So it, it was pretty cool just to see them come away with a win uh, and, uh, you know, some guys making some plays, turn the game around, the rabbit, and uh, then Dylan Radins, uh, you know, his performance uh, made both to go to the other side to go against Quisenberry. <laughs> Hey, Blaine, Alex Apple here. Merry Christmas to you. I was going to ask you about Jack Rabbit's interception. Do you think that's the play that sort of turned the direction of the game? It, you know, when you look at it uh, two hours later, probably a lot of Titans fans had forgotten about that play so early on in the game. But you talk about a huge stop, one of your DBs making a huge play. Yeah, that's what I said on uh, Titans Radio last night. I thought, who would have thought that, you know, Jack Rabbit's play, you know, kept him from not only a touchdown, but also a uh, field goal. Uh, and that really kind of changed the game and kept them in the game at that time. And uh, just imagine it would have been 17 to nothing. And I, I think at that point it, it, it might have kind of changed how uh, the approach of the offense uh, even after halftime would have been. So, yeah, that was probably the biggest play. A lot of guys made some plays. But ultimately, uh, you know, J.G. Uh, Garoppolo just is not clutch. He missed about four different throws throughout the game, uh, two of them interceptions and one uh Usek up the seam and then uh, the tip ball. Was, I mean, or the first down on fourth down that he missed. Those guys, you just can't have it. And uh, that's the difference between him and Tannehill. To Lucas's credit, he's brought up a great topic that we've been discussing, taking some calls on A.J. Brown's individual performance last night and where that ranks as some of the best by a receiver in Titans history. People have talked about Kenny Britt, the 200-yard game. Drew Bennett had a couple of uh, three touchdown games, even back-to-back. I remember Derek Mason having three against Houston. Um what do you make of that individual performance, and how special was that to do that coming off of an injury in the way that A.J. did? Mm-hmm. Man, you just named some guys I, I played with. What, what was Derek Mason's biggest game? So the it was a 12-catch game, 177 yards, and three touchdowns, and that was in a 38-17 win against the Texans. Now, that was in 2003, so it would have been right after you, and I think uh, what year did the Texans start? Oh, one? It was pre-AFC South. It was right? Derek Carr. Yeah. Um, and no, they David were, Carr. David Carr, yeah. and, they, and they were struggling. But it was an unbelievable game from Mason. Yeah, that, I, I didn't see that live. But Mason, I have a lot of respect for him. I, I think uh, 
undervalued. I, I think he's a Hall of Fame player. Uh, but uh, I don't know. The Kenny Britt was pretty unique. I saw that live. That that was uh, – I mean, you kept thinking we're going to get more of this. And not to that level, but you thought, you know, consistently he'd be a 100-yard receiver. And he was – he just, he just sometimes he would uh, kind of check out. I, I don't know what happened with how the game goes. But, hey, right now, A.J. Brown, based off of, uh, you know, rib injuries, uh, not practicing very much, uh, you know, not playing for a month, and then come out there and do that, that was pretty impressive, pretty remarkable, really. It was, it was really special just yeah. to see how happy and elated he was. Uh, but I'm sure Tannehill was much more happier, and they just have uh, – a kinship on the football field that you just can't deny and, uh, you know, just having 16 targets and then to put up that kind of performance is basically what the A.J. Brown, you know, uh, we're going to beat you, and if you're not going to double me, then we're just going to keep doing it until you stop it. The the Kenny Britt thing, Blaine, has been brought up by a lot of people when we posed this question. Yeah. It was in 2010, seven catches, 225 yards, three touchdowns against the Eagles. Uh, and that was yeah. two days after he got in trouble for getting into a bar fight. <laughs> Titans scored 27 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. What bar was he at? And, uh, Do you remember that? <laughs> I have no idea. No. Could, <laughs> could have been any of them. But but I still think that the, the AJ1 holds more magnitude because of the potential of this team. What's at stake for this team when you consider the AFC South, uh, the one seed implications in the AFC. And as Alex said, coming off IR and reviving an offense that had basically been asleep for the last two, three weeks without him. Well, you know, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment. I was there at the King Grid. It was pretty impressive what he was doing. He was going to get, I can't remember the corner, but he was going to get a pretty solid corner at the time. And uh, it just the way he went about it, it was like he was unstoppable, just like how you felt with A.J. Brown. He just put up bigger numbers, seven for 225. Uh, but, you know, and, and, you know, being that it's uh, recent, I mean, man, that, that was a heck of a performance. They would have lost the game, just honestly. Uh, you know what I come out of the game, and, and I hate to say it is, not just the performance of A.J. Brown and Tannehill's connection is, what is the connection between Julio Jones and Tannehill? I'm not even saying you got to throw him that many balls. I'm just saying, couldn't he, didn't he deserve at least five targets? That, that was my next question, because we've had some people call in and ask about that. I was going to ask you, Julio Jones, one target, one catch, seven yards. Was his impact last night bigger than it showed on the stat sheet? Well... You know, ultimately, yeah. I mean, he did some, uh, you know, flyaway patterns and opening up for AJ below. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, you can ask Dyson. You're always a, you know, your stats tell you what what you did. And if he only had one target, that's all he can do. But Blaine, I love I love listening. Not to interrupt you, listening to you talk about injuries because you can look at a guy and tell whether he's right. You know, I mean, does he look right to you? Uh, I, I would say he looks good enough to uh, get more than one target. And, and uh, no, he is not healthy all the way. And, and that's obvious, but he still is an impressive enough athlete to still contribute in a in a more than a one target deal. So, and I get it because, and what I'm trying to get to the point of is, you know, chemistry. A lot of people poo poo it. I don't because I played with some guys and I know when I did play with certain guys and I didn't have any, you know, chemistry with them and I didn't trust them as my partner or that they're going to do their job, it made me play different. So I think they just haven't reached that kind of chemistry. Not to say they're going to ever get to the A.J. Brown type chemistry. He won't do that in this short period of time, especially with him in and out of the lineup. But they got to have a little bit more than what they have right now. And that's pretty obvious. If the Titans want to get to where they want to go, I am absolutely serious. Julio Jones should be able to contribute. If he's healthy, he still can contribute enough 
to kind of impact a game. And I think that has to be resolved sooner than later if they want to do some damage in the playoffs. Blaine Bishop with us on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. You typically hear him on these airwaves along with Mickey Ryan on Blaine and Mickey, but enjoying some much-deserved time off with the family up in Indiana on this Christmas no, Eve. No, I'm not in Indiana. Wait, where, where are you? Oh, you're in, uh, you're in Montgomery. <laughs> I am in Montgomery, Alabama, off of the riverfront, looking right out now at the, at the river here. I don't even know the name of that river. Right here at the Renaissance Hotel. So you want to look me up, man. You that's know? right. <laughs> so a little warmer, a little warmer than Indiana. That's good. Blaine, we talked yeah, about. It's like 70. I'm down here for the Camellia Bowl. Ball State is playing in the Camellia Bowl. Saturday versus Georgia State. Chirp, chirp. Blaine, we talked about it uh, off the top here. Maybe one of the more impressive stats of the night, at least, uh, I mean, we talk about A.J. Brown and how seismic that performance was, but Joey Bosa, for as worried as everybody was going in, does not register a sack uh, last night. What did you think of Dylan Radins and this offensive line's performance against him? And maybe even more impressive on the flip side, defensively, containing George Kittle to two catches for 21 yards. Which of those two impressed you more? Joey, or excuse me, Nick Bosa without a sack or George Kittle held the two catches for 21 yards? Well, I'm, I'm going to say this. They were doubling uh, Kittles pretty much throughout the game a lot. And I think that made Jimmy G just kind of go to Depot, and he was really impressive to me. But uh, naturally, Raiden's performance was really, really impressive, so much so that uh, Bosa moved to the other side going up against Quisenberry more so than him. So I think you can watch him play and say this is a, something that we can build on for the future, and then he asked him to play. I'm just interested to see when did he develop, and then why wasn't he playing sooner? I, I thought he did a solid job. Was he perfect? No. Uh, but he did a pretty – guy that played in FCS and only played one game last year in the build-up to all the pressure being a second-round pick, I thought, man, I, I think we, we may have something here, and uh, I'm looking forward to him playing a little bit more. I mean, Crookshank's ability to defend two tight ends, though, with Kelsey and now Kittle, a huge tool for the Titans' defense. Is that a what, – what, what about his skill set makes him able to do that so effectively? Well, he was getting linebacker up from the inside, but just to his credit, I think he's long. He's very athletic. I love Quickshank. The only thing that bothers me about Quickshank, there's nothing he can't do really at the safety position, is he just can't stay healthy. I even saw him in the game wasn't in this game. Uh, you know, so it's just he needs to stay healthy or he won't have the kind of career uh, that he's capable of based off of his talent, his athletic gifts and length, and he can run and he's physical. Uh, good tackler, I mean, especially being a special team guy, so you know he can do all those things. I just think if he can stay on the field and stay available, man, the sky's the limit for him. Okay, Blaine, I got a little something for you. Back in the Blaine Bishop career, because we've been deep diving on some of these best performances in history, and, and I was I got down the rabbit hole, and so you didn't play one game oh. in 1990. You talked about good Christmas presents. That win last night was pretty good. The 99 season was pretty fun as well. You didn't play one game that year, right, against the Saints. Is my memory serving me right? Uh, you're probably right. Yeah. That was the regular season? <laughs> that was the regular season. Now, I have a weird – so I was eight years old that year, so this is a weird, like, childhood. I don't know why I remember this. You know how the Titans won that game? 17 points in the fourth quarter. Here's my trivia question for you. And he might have been your replacement. I can't remember. Who picked off the pass and, turn, uh, and took it back for a pick six to seal that game for the Titans? Uh, what, was it Perry Phoenix? I don't remember if he did that or not. I was there too. 
I had to get my knee drained uh, before the game, and it just there was no way I was going to be able to play. It was so, Donald Mitchell. I, oh yeah, that was Donald Mitchell was a heck of a player, man. Two career he, interceptions. That was one of them. Yeah, I don't think he was my replacement. I think Perry Kings were our replacement, but Donald Mitchell was that uh, jack of all trades, which is real. He would be very valuable uh, at this time. He could play safety. Merry Christmas. He could play corner. <laughs> he could play everything. What and, up, y'all? Yeah, he was special. Like Just like y'all taking over. Right. Slay's taking over. Oh, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Blake Rock Slay is in the building. <laughs> What up, y'all? I'm in the building. I'm in the building. I'm in the building. <laughs> Blaine's yelling. Blaine, uh, Blaine, I'm in the building. I'm in the building. <laughs> I love that. I, I want that cool music when I, you know, I come on and visit you guys, man, if this happens again, man. I want some cool music like Ron Slay, man. Oh, if, <laughs> if people think they've experienced Ron Slay, I think uh, I don't think anybody knows what they're in for with Christmas Slay. So 3HL coming up from 3 to 6, a three-hour sleigh ride right. on Christmas Eve. Uh, yeah, no doubt. Blaine Bishop, tomorrow night, Cardinals hosting the Indianapolis Colts. Quentin Nelson has been placed on the COVID list. The Cardinals have oh. lost back-to-back. They're 3-3 three and three at home. They've kind of struggled there this season. And no DeAndre Hopkins. Where are your eyes on this matchup? How do you like the Titans' chances of clinching the AFC South tomorrow night? Ooh. Hey, man, I, I really, really respect and like what I see out of the Indianapolis Colts. And it pains me to say that. Being from India and being that they didn't ever draft me. So, I, you know, my, my hatred for India has been there for a long time. Uh, and they just look all around the place, just a solid team. Good defense, great defense, great offensive line. I'm interested to see if Quentin Nelson not being there, how much that impacts their team. Because I like the way they run the football. Wentz, if he just doesn't start acting like the old Wentz, is formidable and solid. Uh, I thought he would be going into the season, and he's shown that. This is a tough one. If Nelson was playing, I was going to go Colts. Uh, I think they have the type of team that can win on the road. I think Arizona people are figuring out they're more of a finesse team, and you bring physicality to them, they kind of turn into a different team. I'm still going to go with the Colts on the road, so I don't think the the Titans are going to clinch the AFC South. Lane's called his shot. I there like, you go. I, I like that. That's going to be a super interesting game, especially uh, given how the Cardinals looked last week against the Lions. One last question for you, Blaine. I meant to ask it for you before I took a, the trip down memory lane. When yeah. um, David Long comes back, we asked Buck this earlier. The Titans have now kind of you know fallen ass backwards into Zach Cunningham. What a gift that's been. Um, but you've got you'd have David Long, Rashawn Evans, Jayon Brown, and Zach Cunningham. How do you foresee that rotation going? Do you like a, a mix of a couple of those guys better than some others? Uh, just curious your insight on that. Ooh, I, I don't know what the Buck said, but uh, I, I would have played slow play Cunningham uh, one more game before they played him two games ago, but they did, and then he impressed. And, and it, it's hard to go back now. I, I just think – he and Evans are going to be the starting guy, depending on what type of team they're playing. Maybe that impacts it. You know, if it's a throwing team, maybe uh, one of the guys aren't in there and Long's in there. But uh, I think Long is going to have to wait, especially coming off an injury. You can slow play him and uh, say, "Let's we want you fully healthy, 100%. Because uh, Cunningham, I mean, you go watch Baldy, my buddy Brian Baldinger's, you know, videos on, on social media, and Zach Cunningham is a different level player. I mean, he's – 
he's right next to Evans, and he runs, uh, man, really, he almost runs by him one time. We're going to make a play. So his read reaction triggers uh, is impressive. And I love him at Vanderbilt, and uh, I now I see, and he reminds me why I do. So I, I don't know if long, I think the long play is Cunningham and Long will be the starters next year. Uh, at linebacker, but right now I think you go with what's high. Just don't try to mess up too much chemistry, and I, I think Long kind of can wait a little bit just because he's not fully healthy. Be a good problem to have when David Long does eventually no come back for the Titans. They've had a lot of bad problems. They haven't had a lot of the good problems this season. Yeah. That would and, certainly and be a good problem. Though, what's guys, that? I love Long. I just think there's always a part. You know, it's like being out. We was talking to Coach Matthews yesterday. When you're the walk-on and you beat out the starter that was on scholarship, there's still always going to be a doubt that at some point one of the scholarship guys are going to beat you out, even though you beat him out. Well, just because Long was a later-round pick, he then is going to have to sit there and wait again, which I loved him before. I thought he should have been starting beforehand. You go watch him in college. He hasn't changed one iota, maybe got better at pass coverage, but he's a read-react trigger, go-see-ball-get-ball guy and does it at a rapid rate, not a real big guy. And so when that happens, I think they're going to let it play out that Evans, a first-round pick, gets to finish the duties, and then he is free agency, and then Long then will be sitting in his spot, and he'll have and then he'll get him a nice little contract here in a couple of years. And he hasn't even got the chance to play next to Zach Cunningham yet. That dude was violent last – I mean, first play, right? I can't wait to see that duo. First play to Brandon Ayuk, four-yard gain, and Zach Cunningham about ripped his head off, finished with four tackles in the TFL. I can't believe 20 teams let him pass on waivers. I don't think the Titans that. can either. Well, sometimes you, you hear rumors, and they're not true, and sometimes teams try to set you up to be available, and, and luckily for the Titans, they were, and they're going to get a, get it in a cheap way when, in, in NFL terms, you got to start a middle linebacker who's that impactful in a game, only making $10 million. They stole one again, John Robinson at his best. Uh, Blaine, Merry Christmas, man. Appreciate you joining us. Well, thank you guys for having me on, man. It was fun, man. Enjoy. Happy holidays. Good Happy luck to holidays. your Cardinals. Yeah, chirp, chirp. Ball St- <laughs> who, who, who's Ball State? Pl- who's Ball State play in the in the Camellia Bowl, Blaine? Georgia State. Georgia State. And I'm actually staying in the hotel that they're staying in Georgia State. So I see all these Georgia State people walking around. All right. I'll have to go back to Muncie Champions. Chirp, chirp. We'll be watching. Blaine Bishop, you can hear him on Monday. I'll be hanging out with him from 1 to 3 right here on 104.5 The Zone. Blaine, Merry Christmas again, man, to you and the rest of the family. All right, guys, man. Thanks a lot. See you, Blaine. Bye-bye. Blaine Bishop on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. You know, David Long, one of those big boxes to check, right, as far as coming back from injury and, and getting Six healthy. weeks, and they haven't put him on IR. That's a weird... Yeah. It had to have a setback. That's Hamstring. I mean, it, same injury Julio Jones has been dealing with, just in a different manner. I haven't seen him since Sunday Night Football in L.A., but, you know, suddenly, obviously, the left side of this offensive line has some issues right now with Lawan and Saffold on the COVID list and Kendall Lamb as well, but suddenly, you get those guys back maybe on the long week. Derrick Henry, there is that optimism that he's back in January for a potential playoff run, and this team's about as healthy uh, as you can be. Don't tempt me. Going into the end don't of the season. Don't tempt me, Lucas. I'm getting excited. We'll close it out on this Christmas Eve, calling our shot on the other side. We'll hear from Drew. We'll hear from Sue Ann in Nashville, and we'll get out of here for 3HL. It's Blaine and Mickey on 104.5 The Zone.
Finishing strong on this Christmas Eve, Blaine and Mickey on 104.5 The Zone. Lucas Panzika, Alex Apple, taking you right up to 3HL at 3 o'clock. It's almost time to call our shot, but first let's work in Sue Ann here from Nashville. Wants to talk about the Titans win last night over the 49ers. Hi, Sue Ann. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Merry Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. Thank you for taking my call. What you got for us? So, yeah, um, in regards to how important what AJ did last night, it meant everything to Titan fans. And it took me back to 1999. And our hopes were dashed the other night when we lost to the Steelers. But then what AJ did and and Ryan Tannehill and our whole team, you know, brought us to the place where where we feel like we have hope for the playoffs and not just for the playoffs but for the Super Bowl. You could feel kind of the collective de-stressing of Nissan Stadium, right? <laughs> Randy Bullock makes that feel going as a collective, ah, you know, a little tension out of the air there for sure. That's a good take. Holy mackerel. I mean, when he did that, and and many of us were like, oh, my gosh, is, is he actually going to do this? And then he did. Lo and behold. And, and then how great was that? And and then the other thing I'd like to say is AJ saying in his interview that he was going to be praying that um, the Cardinals lose. Or the Colts lose. I'm going to, I'm, I'm adding my prayers to his. <laughs> That's right. He did. Thank you for That's the call, right. Sue. And Merry Christmas. Yes. AJ Brown did say he's hoping for the downfall of the Colts tomorrow. It's amazing how well, it's. Aren't we all? Master of the obvious. There's not one Titans fan that's for my dad's quote the other day was this is a good one. I would not root for the Colts if they were playing the Taliban. He said that because we were talking about how it might be better for the you know Colts to beat the Patriots. My dad said I wouldn't root for them they're playing the Taliban. <laughs> it's amazing how I joined my guy Russell Smith in Fox Sports Knoxville every now and then. He hosts the drive in the afternoon. And I joined him yesterday before the game, getting sort of he was asking me just what, you know, what's the mentality there, right? Like, as far as the playoff picture, what are people just looking for? And I was like, just just win the AFC South, right? Because the week before that, people were rooting for the Colts over the Patriots because you thought you could go beat a banged-up Pittsburgh team uh, that had been struggling to score and get finished, end up at the one seed going into this game last night. And then it shifted to, after losing to the Steelers, oh, God, just make Let's the just playoffs. Get <laughs> just, just get in. Just get in. And now it's, we're yeah. right back, you know, 10-5. and five, Like, okay, one seed, back in play. Right. Go Bills, right, as they take on the Patriots this weekend. Let's get Drew in here from Nashville as our final caller before we call our shot. What's up, Drew? Thanks for hanging on, Drew. Hey, thanks, thank you, Kevin. Uh, first of all, I want to give a shout-out to happy holiday to everybody. Uh, on, on, the, on, on the call here, I just wanted to talk about the Titans' defense. Uh, they were 31st between 30, what, 30th and 32nd uh, last year, and now uh, this year they were in the top 10. Uh, Shane Bourne and his crew uh, really don't, to me, not, in my opinion, don't get the credit. Behind the scenes is Jim Swartz. I just want to get y'all opinion on that. His, his, his blueprint fingerprint is on that defense from Albert Hainsworth until now. So I just want to get y'all opinion on that. Thanks for the call, Drew. Merry Christmas. I absolutely agree that Shane Bowen's doing a good job, but I'll answer the question like Mike Vrabel would probably answer it. 
as a coach, you're as good as your players. He's got better players this year. And the defense, that's, you know, I was curious earlier and asked Buck, before the season, what you see is the ceiling for this defense. Are they hitting it? And I think they probably are. Maybe they get a little bit better. I mean, you're not going to, you know, put anything past this group. Bowen is doing a good job. Jim Schwartz, for whatever he's doing, doing a good job. Jim Hazlitt coaching, you know, uh, whatever they're coaching. I mean, however they're shaking Linebackers, this out. Yeah. All doing a really good job. you got to give them credit, but you're as good as the players. Give Jim Rob- uh, John Robinson a little bit of credit, too. Yeah. Players are a lot better. This Somebody year. asked me that the other day. Uh, do you think that Jim, Warts is, or Jim Schwartz is to credit for this defense's improvement? And Maybe a little. Yes, but, but we don't know. I mean, we don't know the, the, you know. This is not his defense. He runs a 4-3. We don't know the minutiae of his impact on yeah. this Titans defense. But what we do know is that Bud Dupree, when healthy, is a compliment to Harold Landry, who's had a career year. But Dupree now with two sacks in the last two games. We know Kevin Byard's one of the best safeties in the league. He's a pro bowler, might be all pro. You we know Jeff- Autry Simmons, I'll roll with them in anything. So, yeah, I'm with you there. I think it has more to do with the personnel that they brought in. And to John Robinson's credit, uh, that that is a huge reason why the Titans have 10 wins at this point in the season. It's time to call our shot. Brought to you by Chattanooga Whiskey. Available at your favorite Nashville retail store. Drink Chattanooga Whiskey and enjoy responsibly. Start with our guy Mac on the other side of the glass. He's been awesome today helping out with the Buck Rising Show and Blaine and Mickey. Mac, what you got this weekend? Yeah, give me the Vikings. Beating the Rams at home. Upset. It's one of the most prolific offenses when they're on uh, their game. I'm thinking Kirk's going to come back here, have a big win against the Rams. Now, you say that with no Dalvin Cook in the lineup with... Him yep. being on the COVID list. I think Adam Thielen's going to play. Uh, Justin Jefferson's top five wide receiver. I, I, You know, Osborne behind him. I, I like those guys. I, I'm going with the Vikings. It's okay. always a gamble to bet on Mike Zimmer, though. That's like playing with fire. Vikings over Rams. That's Max shot. What you got? Okay, I'll go quick. Ball State, give me five-and-a-half-point underdogs against Georgia State in the bowl game on Christmas Day. But give me the Cardinals to win that. They're one and four limp against the spread in their last five games, limping in. They've not played well lately, but give me Blaine Bishop is down there. <laughs> He's going to fire those boys up. They're going back to Muncie with a victory. Bet on it. He will be in the building tomorrow at one thirty. Chirp, chirp. I'm with you. My shot is Colts win. I think they get it done. Cardinals are reeling. Christian Kirk's their number one receiver right now. They have not been great at home. I think the Colts win and the Titans have to wait to clinch the AFC South. That'll do it for us. 3HL has walked into the building. Ron Slay is behind <laughs> me. They are decked out in Christmas gear way better than we are. Brent Doherty's got his jack. We're going to get out of here. For Alex Apple, for Mac Mori, I'm Lucas Panzica. This has been Blaine and Mickey. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas.